Part two, chapter ten of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter ten. Shortly after his reception into the Masonic Brotherhood, Pierre, with full instructions given him for his guidance in managing his estates, reached the government of Kiev, where the larger number of his serfs were to be found. When he reached Kiev, he summoned all his overseers and explained his intentions and desires. He told him that measures would be immediately taken for the unconditional emancipation from servitude of all his serfs, that till this was done the peasants must not be constrained to hard work, that the women and children must not be required to work at all, that assistance was to be freely rendered the peasantry, that corporal punishments were not to be employed, but reprimands, and that on each of his estates, hospitals, asylums, and schools were to be established. Some of the overseers, and in the number were half-educated economs or stewards, listened with dismay, supposing that the young count's speech meant that he was dissatisfied with their management, or had discovered how they had been embezzling his funds. Others, after their first panic, found amusement in Pierre's thick, stumbling speech, and the new words which they had never heard before. A third set found simply a certain sense of satisfaction in hearing their barren talk. A fourth, and these were the sharpest, and at their head the chief overseer, perceived from this talk how it behooved them to manage with their barren, in order to subserve their own ends. The chief overseer expressed great sympathy in Pierre's proposed plans, but he remarked that over and above these reforms, it was indispensable to make a general investigation of his affairs, which were in a sufficiently unfortunate state. In spite of Count Buzikoy's enormous wealth at the time when Pierre entered upon his inheritance, and it was said that he had an income of five hundred thousand roubles a year, he felt himself much poorer than when he received an allowance of ten thousand a year from his late father. He had a general dim idea that his expenses were somewhat as follows. Interest to the society. Footnote. The famous bank supported by the state that loaned money on land and personal property, including serfs. End footnote about eighty thousand roubles on all his possessions about thirty thousand stood him for the maintenance of his house in moscow and his podmoskovnaya and the support of the three princesses about fifteen thousand went to pensions as much into various charitable institutions one hundred and fifty thousand were put down for support of the countess about seventy thousand went in interest on his debts the building of a church which he had begun a couple of years before cost him about ten thousand a year the rest not far from one hundred thousand was expended he himself knew not how and almost every year he found himself obliged to borrow moreover each year his chief overseer had written to him about fires about bad harvests about the necessity of building new factories and works and thus pierre was first thing confronted by what he had not the slightest taste or capacity for the settlement of his affairs pierre each day spent some time with his chief overseer in this business but he was conscious that his efforts did not advance his interests a single step. He was conscious that his efforts were wasted on this business, that they did not have the slightest influence on his affairs, and were not calculated to help him on with his schemes. On the one hand, his head overseer pictured his affairs in the gloomiest colors, pointing out to Pierre the absolute necessity of paying his debts and undertaking new enterprises with the labor of his peasantry, a thing to which Pierre refused to listen. On the other hand, Pierre insisted on the project of emancipating his serfs, but to this the overseer opposed the imperious necessity of first paying off the mortgage, held by the Oprakunsky, or Orphans' Aid Society, and consequently the impossibility of accomplishing the business rapidly. 
the overseer did not say that this was absolutely impossible he proposed for bringing this about the selling of certain forests in the government of kostroma some river lands and an estate in the crimea but all these operations proposed by the overseer entailed complicated legal proceedings replevins permits licenses and so forth so that pierre quite lost his wits and merely said yes yes do so then pierre was not possessed of that practical bent for business which would have enabled him to grasp the whole matter immediately and consequently he disliked it all and merely pretended to take an interest in it in the overseer's presence the overseer on his side pretended to consider all these efforts advantageous for the proprietor and troublesome for himself in the large city of kiev the capital of the province pierre had some acquaintances those whom he did not know made haste to pay their respects to him and gladly welcomed the millionaire the largest landowner of the whole government the temptations that assailed pierre in his principal weakness as he had confessed at the time of his entrance into the lodge were also so powerful that he could not resist them again whole days weeks months of his life sped away constantly occupied with parties dinners breakfasts balls just as it had been in petersburg so that he had no time whatsoever for serious thoughts instead of the new life which he had hoped to lead he still went on with the same old routine only in different surroundings of the three obligations of freemasonry pierre acknowledged that he was not fulfilling the one that enjoined upon every mason to be a model of moral living and of the seven precepts of virtue two he had not taken to heart virtuous living and love for death he comforted himself with the thought that he was fulfilling one of the other obligations the reformation of the human race and that he possessed other virtues love to his neighbor and particularly liberality in the spring of the year eighteen o seven pierre determined to return to petersburg making on his way a visit to all of his possessions so as to assure himself as to what had been done towards carrying out his orders and personally to learn in what condition lived the peasantry entrusted to him by god and whom he was striving to benefit his head overseer who considered all of the young count's ideas as perfectly chimerical disadvantageous for himself for him for the peasants themselves had made some concessions though he still represented that the emancipation of the serfs was an impossibility he had made arrangements for the extensive erection on all the estates of schools hospitals and asylums against the coming of the baron everywhere he had arrangements for receptions not to be sure on a sumptuous and magnificent scale which he knew would displease the young count but rather semi-religious and thanksgiving processions with sacred images and the traditional club sol or bread and salt the russian symbol of hospitality such demonstrations in fact as he was certain from his knowledge of the baron's character would deeply touch him and delude him the southern spring the comfortable rapid journey in his vienna calash and the solitude in which he travelled had made a most pleasant impression on pierre these estates none of which he had ever seen before were each more picturesque than the other the peasantry everywhere appeared prosperous and touchingly grateful to him for the benefits which he was heaping upon them everywhere they met him with processions and receptions which though they embarrassed him filled his heart with a pleasant sensation in one place the peasants brought him the club sol and a holy picture of peter and paul and besought his permission to add at their own expense in honour of his name-day and as a sign of their love and gratitude to him for the benefits conferred upon them a new chantry to the church 
in another place he was met by women and children at the breast who thanked him for freeing them from hard work on a third estate he was met by a priest carrying a cross and surrounded by children to whom through the count's liberality he was teaching reading and religion on all his estates he saw with his own eyes the massive stone foundations of edifices for hospitals schools and almshouses building or almost built and ready to be opened in a short time everywhere pierre saw from the accounts of his overseers that enforced labor had been greatly reduced from what it had been and he listened to the affecting expressions of gratitude from deputations of serfs in their blue kaftans but pierre had no knowledge of the fact that where he had been met with the bread and salt and where they were building the chantry of peter and paul it was a commercial village where a yarmarka or annual bazaar was held on st peter's day that the chantry had been begun long before by some well-to-do muzhiks of the village the very ones in fact who came to meet him while nine-tenths of the peasants of this same village lived in the profoundest destitution he did not know that in consequence of his order to cease employing nursing women at work in the fields these very same women were forced to do vastly harder work on their own lots of communal land he did not know that the priest who came to meet him with his cross oppressed the muzhiks with his extractions and that the pupils who accompanied him were placed with him at a cost of tears and were often ransomed back by their parents for large sums of money he did not know that the edifices built according to his plan of stone were the work of his own laborers and greatly increased the forced service of his serfs which was really diminished only on paper he did not know that where the overseers pointed out to him on the books the reduction of the serfs obruks or money payments by one-third the consequence was that an amount corresponding was added to the forced labor of the peasantry and so pierre was in raptures over his tour among his estates and he fell back fully into that philanthropical frame of mind in which he had left petersburg and he wrote enthusiastic letters to his preceptor brother as he called the grand master how easy it is how little strength it requires to do so much good said pierre to himself and how little we trouble ourselves about it he was happy over the gratitude but felt mortified to be the recipient of it this gratitude made him think how very much more he might have easily done for these simple-hearted kindly people the chief overseer a thoroughly obstinate and wily man perfectly comprehending the intelligent but naive young count and playing him as with a toy when he saw the effect produced upon him by the receptions that he had himself so skilfully arranged approached him all the more resolutely with arguments for the impossibility and above all the uselessness of emancipating the serfs who were perfectly happy and contented as they were pierre in the depths of his soul agreed with the overseer that it would be hard to imagine people more happy and contented and that god only knew what would happen to them if they had their freedom but still though against his better judgment he insisted upon what he felt was only justice the overseer promised to do all in his power to carry out the count's desires clearly comprehending that the count would never be in a position to assure himself whether all his plans for the disposal of his forests and other lands for the sake of redeeming his mortgages to the society had been carried out or would ever ask or know how his costly edifices would stand empty and the peasants would continue to contribute their labor and money just the same as they did on other estates that is the utmost that they could give. End of chapter 10